Father God, we ask you to bless today's service, today's study. We ask you as always to go before us, to make the book alive to us and to give us power over the flesh, uh, to do great things for you. We thank you as always for being with us, for blessing us, uh, for allowing us to even address you as Father, of course. All of our unrighteousness is as filthy rags and uh, we just trust in the blood of Christ to save us and to get us through each and every day. And we ask you to bless today's recording, service, and breaking of bread in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. amen. The Psalm 137, on the surface, is a pretty straightforward psalm, but of course it's not. And sadly, it's been used as a battering ram over the last little while to bash Bible believers. If you go onto YouTube and just type in Psalm 137, you'll find a lot of young people quoting a psalm and twisting it and taking it out of context. And you'll find Muslims using this at Speaker's Corner every Sunday to bash Bible believers such as ourselves and attack God Almighty as some horrible brute of a beast. They have no idea, of course, the background to this particular psalm. And of course, you have to expect such ignorance and also arrogance. Let's break down this particular psalm, a very poignant psalm, a very beautiful psalm. And of course, the background is Babylon and the captivity which lasted for 70 years. 137 verse 1, written around probably 550 BC. By the rivers of Babylon, Tigris, Euphrates, modern-day Iraq, there we sat down, the Jews. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. There's our word again, Zion, Zionism, Jerusalem, Israel. It's a real hot topic at the moment. And he got a picture of a group of Jews during the days of Daniel and Jeremiah. They're really struggling, and they've been taken captive against their will. And uh, if you go to the book of uh, Ezra, uh, it's chapter 3 we read the following in uh, verse uh, let's see now yeah verse 12 but many of the but many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers who were ancient men that had seen the first house when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes wept with a loud voice and many shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not discern the noise of the shouts of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the noise was heard afar off. Beautiful picture. That, of course, is slightly later on. Uh, they've gone back into Israel under the leadership of Nehemiah and Ezra. And, of course, the rest is history. They start to rebuild. And, uh, of course, that continues throughout the Old Testament. But here, 137 verse 1. You got a picture of the Jews by the rivers of Babylon sitting down to weep, have their services also. Contrast that to the uh, book of Acts when uh, Paul and co come across a group of women by the rivers. I think Ruth Lydia was one of them, uh, or one of the Lydias in scripture and others, and uh, having a worship service basically. And they came alongside them and were able to get the gospel to them. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept, when we remembered Zion. Very poignant, like I say, and the Jews are away from home, uh, homesick with the term we'd use today. And you think how sad it must have been for the Jews away from home, not uh, once but twice, the first time they're in Egypt for, what, 400 years, uh, due to uh, this and that, and of course, second time due to their sin against Jehovah God. Let's keep working through this particular psalm. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. Harps are very beautiful instruments. And when I had my own orchestra many years ago, I tried to hire a harpist 
to come down and uh, record a song for me and I couldn't find a harpist very difficult to find such go to Revelation chapter 18 and the only harpist I could find in the, in the whole of London uh, her rates were very expensive so I couldn't afford to hire her but harps are very unusual instruments very expensive very uh, sophisticated instruments David of course was able to play the harp which is very unusual for a man of his caliber Revelation 18 and uh, this whole psalm is going to go back and forth so just stick with me and we've got all these verses in the correct order we hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof willow tree we hanged our harps no need to have any musical instruments of course at this point in time as such is behind us we're now in under captivity slaves to the state and uh, revelation 18 pick it up in verse uh, 21 and a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea saying thus with violence shall that great city babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all this of course is the final destruction of babylon and the voice of harpers one instruments and musicians all of them and of pipers the pied piper and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee and no craftsman or whatsoever craft he be we say oh, what's your craft you think about the the freemasons the craft or which craft or these terms that he shall be found any more in thee and the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee back to psalm 37 so that's an account of what will happen babylon finally gets destroyed and here rivers of babylon there we sat down we wept when we remembered zion that's a pretty clear picture of being away from god for a period of time in a faraway land we hanged our harps upon the willows these are obviously uh part of the uh levitical priest system the uh, choir or the orchestra uh, members of uh, the temple of course upon the willows in the midst thereof for there they that carried us away required of us a song not like a request that term required is like-minded the term i'm minded to do x y and z is a technical term you find that in political circles that say i'm minded to do this i'm minded to do that it's not like i have a choice i'm legally bound and here they that carried us the babylonians that carried us captive slaves of the state going back to jehoiakim daniel chapter 1 through to chapter 12 of course required of us a song they say a smile while you sing basically uh, sing an old song from the home country of course they are taunting them and they that wasted us they say uh, he got wasted last night they say uh, waste him it's amazing how many times these words from, uh, these words from the word of god are used in movies wasted like kill him take him out or wasted like intoxicated but here and they that wasted us required of us mirth like uh, make a noise put on a show what would they say to samson make a sport same sort of a thing saying sing us one of the songs of zion again how could you think about doing such a thing you've been away from home for a long period of time i mean it must be pretty shocking if you've been in israel all of your life maybe three or four or five or six generations one day a pagan comes along called uh, nebuchadnezzar who worships many gods and he rounds up all of your priests and prophets all of your people puts them in chains and takes them back to persia and you're there for 30 40 years your children are born in such a land you pick up their language their culture of course you start to lose your own culture and that's why you find in ezra and nehemiah uh, both books an absolute uh, 
picture of despair, quite honestly, that uh, so many of the Jews have married out of their circle and, of course, have lost some of the blessings, some of their heritage. Verse 4. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? We can't sing for you. We don't want to be here. We know we are here because, of course, we are sinful. We've broken the commandments of God Almighty. But we're going to try and make the best of a brave... Uh, make, 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 uh, what say? make the best of a bad situation, put on a brave face. And they do, and they do. Five. If I forget the O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget a cunning. Nimrod was a cunning hunter. What does that mean? It means he was a skillful hunter. Cunning skillful going back to verse two playing harps not easy to play a harp it's a big old instrument you got to carry it in and uh like i said most harpists are women you get a few who are men mostly female and it's a very difficult instrument to master and i couldn't find a harpist but uh, david was the man to play the harp and of course the harp is a type of the word of god when david played the harp the evil spirit left king saul and uh, when he stopped playing the harp it returned a lot of symbology in that particular scripture if I forget the O Jerusalem, which of course would be impossible, let my right hand forget her cunning. Just cut off my right hand, which would be used to play the harp. Like I say, left hand holds it, right hand strains it. You know, you get the picture, I hope. Uh, verse uh, 6. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. Stick to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. Go back to Psalm 22. Now we get into types and shadows which of course is lost on Orthodox and ascetic Jews. And uh, in Psalm 22, a very poignant Psalm, uh, you read the following in verse uh, 15. My strength is dried up like a pot shed, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws, Jesus Christ speaking. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. You come from dust, you return to dust, apart from the last Adam, of course. Uh, go to Matthew chapter 25. So Psalm 22 is what we call a double application. It's David the less, David the greater. And if you get that, you won't uh, have any problems understanding the layout of the Old Testament. You'll find many times in the Old Testament that a comma or a semicolon can give you the difference between one, two, sometimes 3,000 years. If you don't believe me, read uh, Luke chapter 4 sometime. Uh, Christ goes into the synagogue, he quotes uh, Isaiah 61, I think it's 1 and 2, then he stops, comma, the day of our vengeance of our God, so on and so forth, that's the second advent passage, and that one comma delineates 2,000 years, that of course is lost on most, if not all, religious Jews. Matthew 25, Matthew 25, and uh, look at verse uh, forty. Uh, 42 for I wasn't hungered and he gave me no meat I was thirsty and ye gave me no drink go to John chapter 4 to Christ is on the cross around Nissan Easter time around Passover time we call it Easter of course I say we uh, the Romans called it Easter Herod was a pagan of course Easter the fertility season uh, what does I say John chapter 4 and uh, a lot of debate over the years about the term Easter Passover should it be Easter or Passover in the book of Acts the term Easter is used and of course that is the correct reading because the writer of the book of Acts is aiming this from the point of the Romans who celebrated uh, Easter not Passover John chapter 4 
prices at the well get there shortly and uh, another great scripture great stories in the Bible no book like the Bible when it comes to stories and uh, in John chapter 4 he sent the apostles away to take care of an errand or two and he comes across the lady at the well and in John 4 look at uh, verse 10 Jesus answered and said unto her if thou knewest the gift of God like salvation and who it is that saith to thee give me to drink thou wouldest have asked of him and he would have given thee living water the woman saith unto him sir thou hast nothing to draw with and the well is deep for whence then hast thou that living water she was clueless as to of course the symbology here a bit like Nicodemus how can a man be born when he's left his mother's womb or born again art thou greater than our father uh, than our father Jacob which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle Jesus answered and said unto uh, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life of course it continues but the point is she doesn't give him any water that's the whole point of the passage he gives her the water going back to you can't give God anything he has everything anyway uh, go to the same book chapter 19 so Christ is on the cross he's hungry but more more important he's thirsty you can go without food for a period of time but you can't go without water for I think more than two or three days at, very, at the very most and you go from Acts what am I saying you go from Psalm 22 to Matthew 25 to John 4 to John 19 and John 19 pick it up in uh, verse 28 after this Jesus knowing that all things are now accomplished there's his deity that the scripture might be fulfilled saith I thirst once again he wants water what they give him they give him vinegar in 29 sour awful taste put it to his lips he doesn't drink it of course but he does receive it in verse 30 he says it is finished not I am finished it is finished what do they say mission accomplished and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost going back to his deity father into thy hands I commend my spirit go back to Psalm 137 verse 6 if I do not remember thee let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth the psalmist is writing and again it's double application and Christ would uh, fulfill the mission to perfection if I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy of course Jerusalem is the capital of the solar system as far as a Jew is concerned and here the Lord is uh, giving us a picture of going without water and uh, a lot of symbology in that look at verse uh, 7 remember O Lord the children of Edom in the day of Jerusalem they were allies of Babylon of course who said raise it raise it even to the foundation thereof raise it to the ground just tear it down go to Isaiah chapter 14 I guess a bit deep now this particular psalm uh, I saw a clip on YouTube a couple of years ago this YouTuber invites people to uh, call them up basically and they say read such and such a verse on on on, on, on the radio or not the radio on, on YouTube whatever it is on his in a, through his, in a studio and uh, he started to read Psalm 137 he got to the last two verses and he realized he'd been tricked but I would have carried on reading and I would have said to these young people oh, let's give you a Bible study now but he got a bit embarrassed about it because it's a pretty rough passage to conclude the book of Psalms or this particular psalm 
and I would have stayed with it, and I would have explained the background to this psalm. Remember, O Lord, the children of Edom, in the day of Jerusalem, who said, Raise it, raise it, even to the foundation thereof. That, of course, is uh, the allies of Babylon, calling for the destruction of Jerusalem, which, of course, they were given due to the Lord's permissive will. Isaiah 14, Babylon, Babylon. Uh, look at verse... Uh, 14, 14, 4, 14, 4. That thou shalt take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say, How hath the oppressor ceased? The golden city ceased. Who is this king of Babylon? Jump down to verse uh, 9. Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee. That's a pretty cold picture. Even all the chief ones of the earth. It has raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. Twelve, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? Look at uh, 16. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee, like uh, just about catch you, you're so insignificant, and consider thee, saying, Is this the man? Is this the man that made uh, made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms? He's had what six thousand years to do this, and when he arrives, they can't believe how insignificant he really is. So what you got here is a picture of the king of Babylon, fourteen verse four. Of course, was a literal person, but behind him in verse twelve is the devil, which is also a double application passage. There's a text in the book of Ezekiel, same sort of a thing. The king of Tyre, I think it's um, Ezekiel 28, and it says you were in the garden, uh, so on and so forth, and uh, you know, you'd be brought down to the lowest parts of the earth. Of course, that's the king behind the king of, the, uh, king of Tyre, who of course is the devil himself, going back to the devil owning the kingdoms of this world. Just incredible. Uh, back to Psalm 137. Remember, O Lord, the children of Edom, in the day of Jerusalem, don't worry, he hasn't forgotten. Who said, raise it, raise it, even to the foundation thereof. They want vengeance. They want uh, the Lord to deal with their enemies. And you can understand that, of course, if you've ever studied history, uh, a lot of suffering over the last 6,000 plus years. And one day the Lord will deal with such people. Look at verse 8. O daughter of Babylon, daughter of the whore, Revelation 17 and 18. O daughter of Babylon, who art to be destroyed. Happy shall he be that rewardeth thee as thou hast served us like treated us. Revelation chapter 14 this time. Revelation chapter 14. And uh, look at verse uh, 8. 14, 8. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication fallen fallen go back to psalm 14 look at verse 12 again how art thou fallen from heaven o lucifer son of the morning how art thou how art thou cut down to the ground what do they say how the mighty fall which didst weaken the nations and here revelation 14 8 babylon is fallen not once but twice is fallen there was a Hollywood movie put out a few years ago. I think it was Gerard Butler. It said it was titled uh, London Has Fallen. It was titled, uh, it was called uh, The White House Has Fallen. Uh, 
They always catch up with the Bible, these people, sooner or later. They always use terms from the Bible. Fallen, fallen. Of course, fallen, we know what that means. It means to be destroyed. Go back to Psalm 137. Uh, look at 8 again. O daughter of Babylon, who art to be destroyed, it's going to come. Happy shall he be that rewardeth thee as thou hast served us. Go to Jeremiah. Chapter 50. Now, Jeremiah, uh, chapter 50, is dealing with ancient Babylon, which of course would be Persia. Today we know it as Iran slash Iraq. Up until I think the turn of the turn of the twentieth century, there was no Iraq, just uh, Persia. Later became Iran during the nineteen seventies when the uh, Ayatollah took over. Uh, and in Jeremiah fifty, he's looking at Babylon, Iran uh, today, as in the context. But in Revelation, it switches to Rome. And I'll spend it more in a few minutes. Jeremiah 50 verse uh, 15. Shout against her roundabout. She hath given her hand. Her foundations are fallen. Her walls are thrown down. For it is the vengeance of the Lord. Take vengeance upon her. As she hath done. Do unto her. Vengeance is sweet. That's what they say. And of course vengeance belongs to God Almighty. Go back to Psalm 137 verse uh, nine this time happy shall he be that taketh and dasheth our little ones against the stones go to uh, isaiah 13 and as i in isaiah 13 we've got more imagery as to what's going on here and it gets a bit uh, technical now but stick with me isaiah 13 isaiah 13 look at verse uh, 16 their children also shall be dashed to pieces before their eyes the houses shall be spoiled and their wives ravished it's a terrible picture of the destruction of a wicked city use the word terrible uh cautiously well of course and how terrible that must have been yeah it was uh, but of course you need to repent now is the day of salvation go to matthew chapter 2 and in matthew chapter 2 another similar picture takes place of little ones being destroyed like in the thousands which of course for an atheist they can't really argue against because for them all truth is uh, subjective they can't say this is wrong I mean they will say it's wrong well of course they will bash the bible going back to my earlier comments but they can't say it's wrong uh, if they're honest to themselves because there's no truth in atheism it's all subjective but they use uh, morality uh, against us to bash us but they can't really be they can't really do so they, they're honest with themselves but of course they are dishonest Matthew 2 16 then Herod when he saw that he was mocked with the wise men magi was exceeding wrath and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and all the coasts thereof from two years old and under according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men you don't find many people criticizing that but it took place so you get all these types and shadows of what's coming and here the reason for this is to find out where the newborn king was to be born and when you find him kill him well of course that's the background to this particular psalm uh well that's background to this particular incident 137 still go back to seven remember O lord the children of edom in the day of jerusalem who said raise it raise it even to the foundation thereof O daughter of babylon who art to be destroyed 
Revelation 14, Jeremiah 50. And of course the Jews have, have no idea when this is going to happen, but it will happen. Now in the context of verse 8, they got the original Babylon in mind. Nebuchadnezzar, of course, and Nebuzaradan and other leaders that would come after such pagans. But as far as we are concerned, looking back this side of the cross, we are still looking to a future event. Uh, when of course it will be destroyed Revelation 17 and of course 18 happy shall he be that rewardeth thee as thou hast treated us served us you'll get your comeuppance don't worry but verse 8 is the one that really does cause a lot of uh, people issues when it comes to exegeting this particular passage happy shall he be that taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the stones now the antecedent here must be in reference to Babylon in verse 8. I think it's a bit technical now. Go to Luke chapter 17. There was a song released back in the 1970s by a group called Boney M. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, there we rejoiced. We remembered Zion, went to number one in the hits, in the charts. And uh, strange you can take a verse like that and make it into a pop song. But they did. And uh, in Luke 17, I think it's Luke 17. We've got another account. Uh, let's see now. Yeah, 17, uh, 1. Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible, but the offences will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he cast into the sea, than that he should offend one of these little ones. Back to Psalm 37, verse 9. Happy shall he be that taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the stones so what they're saying here basically and go to revelation 9 and park up there for a couple of minutes what they're saying is it's just it's it's, it's better for you uh, those from babylon if you took your little ones just kill them now because when it's going to come the judgments it's going to be so horrendous you wish you'd have been born at the same time you could also apply that to the jews living under captivity just wanting to spare their little ones this pain this level of suffering because of course they know how terrible it's going to be happy shall he be antecedent i'll leave with that with uh, with babylon that taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the stones now revelation 9 you got a pretty powerful passage here dealing with uh the great tribulation leading up to babylon being destroyed i think about an event that took place around this time last year we met a couple in our local town a brother and sister couple homeless for about 24 months and we gave them a couple a couple of we gave them a copy of the gospel of john and the brother read it i think once or twice through and uh, he had a sister with him a biological sister that we didn't see so often but we got to see her later on uh, before we no longer saw her and i remember seeing him man about probably autumn late last year and i said to him you need to get uh, right with the lord they've both been catholic and he said yeah i know you know he said yeah i know you know i've got to do that so on and so forth and his sister came around the corner looked absolutely horrific i mean nothing on her body just wasting away no teeth pinched face and i said to her, what's wrong with your sister oh she's got stage four cancer yeah. stage four cancer younger than i am and i was kind of shocked to hear that and i didn't see them for a couple of weeks and i saw uh, the brother outside one of the uh, building societies begging I said, hey buddy, you know, why are you still on the streets? I thought you'd been rehoused. Oh yeah, but I'm waiting for my sister to come. And uh, she came around the corner. I started to witness to her. 
pension to me. I've got stage four cancer. Yeah, he just told me that. And I said to him, listen, you've got to get yourself right with the Lord. You both need to get right with the Lord. You know, time is ticking away. And I was witnessing this couple, pretty sad, really. In fact, it was devastating when I realised what was going on. And I saw him about a month or two later. I said to him, how's your sister? Oh, she died last month. And she was buried a week before last. I thought, that's incredible. It just floored me. But the point is, she didn't kill herself. She died of stage four cancer, which, of course, cannot be reversed. But in the tribulation, people are going to want to kill themselves. Nine, six. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it and shall desire to die and death shall flee from them. I can't imagine what it's like to really hit rock bottom and you get the paracetamol uh, out or you go and buy the uh, aspirin or you get a bottle of vodka or whatever it is that people get and they just fill themselves up with tablets and they knock all that liquor down themselves and you know, lie in a bed and just wait to die. I can't imagine what it's like. I mean, I've been down, but I've never, I've never, been, I've never been that down. And uh, in the tribulation, you're going to find people who are going to want to kill themselves and won't be able to do so because God is going to stop it. He's going to prolong their pain like hell. And you can't really imagine it, can you? Happy shall he be that taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the stones double application partly picturing the jews which of course they didn't actually fulfill but i think ultimately picturing ultimately picturing those in the tribulation who'll be better off just killing themselves now before this judgment falls because of course once it starts to fall it cannot be reversed the pain that'll be inflicted on the on those tribulation people is just unimaginable so Psalm 137, all nine verses, is a pretty grim psalm. But the reality is that the Jews stood firm, didn't kill the little ones, didn't dash the little ones against the stones, and uh, were able to overcome uh, what Nebuchadnezzar threw at them. But in the tribulation, many will want to kill themselves and be unable to do so because God will not allow them to do so. I'll say one other thing very briefly, that most people that kill themselves are not down and out. Most people that kill themselves are doing rather well in fact slightly bizarre but it's true most homeless people that we know on the streets are not actually homeless they're street people but not actually homeless they don't kill themselves they drink too much they smoke too much they do this and that they don't kill themselves they are fighters they are survivors and this couple brother and sister couple they were fighters and she died in hospital i think eventually and she was buried like i say a few weeks afterwards did she get saved i hope so i witnessed to both her and her brother and uh, we used to buy them food and coffee on the streets and try and witness to both of them but uh, she didn't kill herself in the tribulation in those days shall men seek death verse 6 and shall not find it and shall desire to die just let me die they say and death shall flee from them you can't imagine it can you Psalm 138 verse 1 I will praise you with my whole heart this goes back to previous passages we looked at of course your heart is desperately wicked but you can appreciate the uh the desire here the aspiration here before the gods look out while i sing praise unto thee go to psalm 82 now the muslims and the mormons come along and they like to quote this passage to argue for the belief that there are many gods in the bible which of course is incorrect and uh in the lds religion latter-day saints they believe in many gods they believe that the mormon if he or she is a good boy or girl can become deity and uh, which of course is incorrect it's complete nonsense their book is based on uh, science fiction uh, book of mormon doctrines of covenants book of abraham also the scientology religion 
picks up that sort of nonsense and it's incredible how many people will buy into that junk but they do i will praise thee with my whole heart before the gods will i sing praise unto thee david is the author of this particular psalm and i should have said also that this is week 196 hour 139 around this time go to psalm 82 let's get these two verses together psalm 82 verse 1 god standeth in the congregation of the mighty he judgeth among the gods okay go to exodus i think it's chapter three or four let's get the cross reference for this now when you speak to muslims they like to make, make fun of us they say you guys are polytheist you guys believe in many gods which of course we do not and those of us who are trinitarian have the biggest battle on their hands you find most people today are actually modalist or oneness people like uh, david lynn he's a oneness and brian denlinger he's a oneness they don't call themselves that but that's what they are in essence and uh dory love another oneness unfortunately and uh in here we go exodus chapter 4 look at verse uh, 16 4 16 and he shall be thy spokesman unto the people aaron of course and he shall be even he shall be to thee instead of a mouth and thou shalt be to him instead of god capital g go back to psalm 82 and then psalm 138 i'm not through also with psalm 137 not quite through with that psalm yet but i'll get these verses all together lord willing uh what did i say uh psalm 82 and of course we know as bible believers that we become the sons of god through the new birth we don't become deity uh per se or in any essence whatsoever but the mormons believe that they do and of course the muslims like to misquote the scripture 82 verse 1 god standeth in the congregation of the mighty mighty he judgeth among the gods look at verse uh, 6 i have said ye are gods and all of you are the children all of you are children of the most high but ye shall die like men and fall like one of the princes go to luke chapter 10 now there's two interpretations for this particular passage very briefly the one is the uh, the gap theory which was uh, taught by i think it was pember larkin not sure if darby held to that or not i don't know Rutman certainly held to the gap theory as did phineas dake and uh, the belief would be that before adam was on the earth there was a pre-adamic race and the devil was running the world and uh, he fell of course and the lord had to rebuild the earth they say genesis 1 1 and 1 2 is the uh, proof for that incident taking place uh, luke 10 and uh, look at verse uh, let's see now uh, verse 18 and he said unto them i beheld satan's lightning fall from heaven and he used that passage to argue for the gap theory uh, that somehow uh, the devil fell before adam arrived on the earth that's a gap theory i don't hold to that myself but if you do that's fine doesn't really make a big difference to me it's a secondary issue but in psalm 82 ye are gods verse 6 and all of you are children of the most high but you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes 
Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Tribulation passage. As of yet, he hasn't inherited all of the nations. Go back to the book of Revelation, chapter 11, I think it is. And uh, Revelation 11, uh, look at uh, verse 15. The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Go back to Psalm 138. The second view for this particular passage deals with the leaders of Israel during this time, uh, referred to as gods, because of course the term is Elohim. And uh, when the Lord says to uh, uh, Moses, you'll be like God to uh, the people of Israel, he doesn't mean you will be deity, but you'll be like God. You'll speak with his authority. Let's keep building on this particular psalm. Verse 1 again. I'll praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. Also goes back to when uh, Moses. Not Moses. Uh, making Elijah. When Elijah was mocking the Baalites. Back in I think it's First Kings. And he's making fun of them. And they're cutting themselves. And he says to them. Uh, Your God is sleeping. He's absent. So on and so forth. Because of course the gods of this world. Like Allah. Like uh, uh, Yabulon. Osiris, all these so-called gods, are taken very seriously by their followers, by their their, their adherents. Uh, so that's a second uh, second interpretation of this particular passage. Uh, verse two: I will worship toward thy holy temple, and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. First Kings chapter eight, please. First Kings chapter. Eight and look at verse uh, 20 29 that thine eyes may be open toward this house night and day temple of course even toward the place of which thou hast said my name shall be there that thou mayest hearken unto the prayer which thy servants shall make toward this place back to Psalm 138 I will worship toward thy holy temple, not heavenly temple, earthly temple, and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified, raised up, elevated thy word above all thy name. That's a real kicker. Go to Jeremiah 9 this time. And we say this at our ministry that we believe the King James is our final authority. We don't have two or three translations. And we sit in judgment. That's not how it's going to work. If you do that, you become a Protestant Pope. And that's out of order. The book uh, is the final authority, not uh, you or me. We don't uh, judge the book. It judges us. I want Jeremiah 9. And I want Isaiah 42. Jeremiah 9, 20... Mm, 20 24 but let him that glorieth glory in this that he understandeth and knoweth me that i am the lord which exercise loving kindness judgments and righteousness in the earth for in these things i delight saith the lord that's that of course is a timeless passage go to isaiah 40 40 i want isaiah 42 i think 
and uh, let's get the right verse for this. The Lord is well pleased for his righteousness sake. He will magnify the law and make it honourable. You find that in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, you've heard it said of them of old time, so on and so forth. But I say unto you, but I say unto you, but I say unto you. You know, forgive your brother, turn the other cheek. Adultery is just lusting and uh, hatred of brother against brother is murder. Talk about uh, really magnifying the law. By the time he finishes, your mouth is just shut. Worship toward thy holy temple. Praise thy name for thy loving kindness. For thy truth, thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Philippians chapter 2, please. Philippians chapter 2. The problem with the gap theory is that, uh, there's a couple of problems with it actually. It says how death and sin came to the world through Adam, uh, not through the devil. And uh, Revelation 20, uh, 21, I think it is speaks about the new heaven and the new earth not the new he not the new earths but heaven and earth a place in the previous earth so they believe that the first earth was destroyed and rebuilt doesn't really match up revelation i think it's 21 uh, but like i say if you hold to it that's fine it's not really an issue for me but so i find it difficult to really uh, harmonize that with the rest of scripture philippians 2 2 uh verse uh, 9 wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that to the name of Jesus not Yeshua every knee should bow without exception of things in heaven one place and things in earth another place and things under the earth hell fire and that every tongue without without exception should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord being uh, God of course to the glory of God the Father you got two truths here found in Psalm 138 verse 2. First of all, the psalmist is probably David. He's worshipping towards the holy temple, which wasn't even built at that time. So this is even more an interesting passage. It was built under his son, of course, uh, Solomon. And uh, it says how thou hast magnified thy word, the written word, above all thy name. What a credible statement. The word of God is above the name of God. Think about that for a few minutes. The word of God, the word of God is above the name of God. That shows you how much uh, beauty God has put on his word. And that's why we call ourselves Bible-believing Christians. Of course, you really get technical about it. You can't delineate the two. John 1 is the word of God, being Jesus Christ. And uh, you have the written word, the living word, Revelation 19. The living word comes back. And uh, the word of God, John 5, will judge everybody in the last days. And it gets really quite fascinating when you study this very carefully. 138 verse uh, 3. In the day when I cried, thou answerest me and strengthenest me with strength in my soul. Answer the prayer. Amen. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee. Not yet they aren't, but they will one day. O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. That goes back to the first uh, advent. 
when Christ uh, breathes on the apostles and they start to put pen to paper, write down the New Testament. And of course, uh, I think it's uh, the last chapter of the uh, Book of Romans. It says how the word of God has gone out unto the whole world. 15 or chapter 16, thereabouts. Uh, verse 5, yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord. They couldn't do it in the previous psalm, but they will now. For great is the glory of the Lord. Look at verse 6. So the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly, down and out, homeless people, humble people. But the proud he knoweth afar off. Go to Luke chapter 1. Luke 1, 50. Yeah, pick it up in verse, uh, make, make it 49. For he that is mighty hath done me great things, has done to me great things, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on them, is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Back to Psalm 138. Verse 6. Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. But the proud he knoweth are far off. Go to uh, Isaiah again, please. Isaiah 50. I think it's 57. Isaiah 57. Yes, 57, verse 57, verse uh, 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. Humble yourself, repent. To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the hearts of the contrite ones. That's the problem. Most people don't want to humble themselves. Go to James chapter 4. This elderly, this uh, elderly couple, this couple we spoke to last year, not elderly. Uh, they weren't arrogant, they weren't puffed up, but they're pretty. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're pretty uh, I think wary in some ways of the ways of the world and church people as they probably saw us as being not that we are church people we're not uh, but the longer you leave it the harder it will be to get saved I want James chapter I think it's chapter 4 actually uh, yeah James 4 verse verse uh, 6 but he giveth more grace amen to that wherefore he saith God resisteth the proud get away but giveth grace unto the humble. Like uh, those that aren't stuck in themselves. Those that are humble. And they were humble. This brother and sister couple like I say. Whether she got saved or not I don't know. I hope so. 138 uh, verse 7. Thou walk in the midst of trouble. Thou wilt revive me. Revive me. To revive means to bring somebody back revive it can be like resuscitation to revive to revive your soul thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies and thy right hand shall save me i've got two verses in mind for this one 
go to uh, Hosea first of all and go to Matthew 20 Matthew 24 and Hosea 6 1 come there's an invitation and let us return the Jews unto the Lord for he hath torn and he will heal us he hath smitten and he will bind us up after two days will he revive us in the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight the third millennium which is still to happen of course then shall we know if we follow on to know the lord you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free his going forth is prepared us as the morning uh, coming out coming up out of the tomb light overcomes darkness and he shall come unto us as the rain as the latter and former rain unto the earth matthew 24 uh, see now matthew 24 and uh, tribulation passage again and uh let's see now 24 uh let's see now 24 pick it up in f uh 24 pick it up in uh 15 when ye the jews therefore shall see physically the abomination of desolation spoken of by daniel the prophet stand in the holy place whoso readeth let him understand then let them which be in judea flee into the mountains israel of course let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything else of his house neither let him which is in the field turn back to take his clothes just get out quickly a while unto them that are with child and them that give suck in those days breastfeeding but pray that your flight be not in the winter neither on the sabbath day friday sundown to saturday sundown for then shall be great tribulation not 70 a.d such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time no nor ever shall be and except those days should be shortened there shall no flesh be saved but for the elect's sake those days shall be shortened going back to the two witnesses most likely 144,000 and those that find themselves in the tribulation ducking and diving trying to avoid the mark of the beast so on and so forth and because of that god will shorten the days and give them a level of grace which we haven't got for today because we don't need it of course 138 verse uh, verse uh, 8 the lord will, uh, the lord will perfect that which concerneth me the mercy o lord endureth forever forsake not the works of thine own hands philippians chapter 1 this time please and uh, philippians chapter 1 The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Perfect. Okay. Philippians 1. Look at verse. Uh, verse uh, 6. Philippians 1 verse 6. Being confident of this very thing. That he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. Perfect it. Perform it. Under the day of Jesus Christ. Go to chapter 2. And. Uh, 2. 12 wherefore my beloved as ye have always obeyed not as in my presence only but now much more in my absence work out here's the favorite passage for the armenians work out your own salvation with fear and trembling as held by the catholics the methodists the anglicans 
Sally Army, they all hold to this passage, but they always overlook verse 13. For it is God which worketh in you both to do, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So he, will, he, he starts it, he will end it. It's not down to you to get yourself saved or stay saved. But what you are supposed to do is pick up your cross and follow him every single day. About Psalm 138. And let's close in verse 8. The Lord will perform, will perfect, will finish that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Thank God for that. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. So, these two psalms on the surface look pretty straightforward, but they are not. Now, back to Psalm 137, just very briefly, and I will close. You've got two things taking place. You've got a switch in locations from Babylon being Persia to Rome. Revelation 17 and uh, 18. And I'll show you how that works in... Let's see now. Uh, go to Second Corinthians, I think it's 12. And... Uh, Second Corinthians twelve. Paradise also has a shift in locations. Second uh, Corinthians twelve, and uh, look at verse. Uh, pick it up in verse. Uh, verse two. I knew a man in Christ about fourteen years ago. Within the body, I cannot tell. Or without the body, I cannot tell. God knows such a one caught up to the third heaven. For how that he was caught up into paradise. And heard unspeakable words which not law for man to utter. So paradise is now third heaven. Uh, where the righteous live. But in Luke chapter 16. Please turn there. We've got another pretty powerful passage here. A poignant passage of two people dying around the same time and this is not a parable incidentally and uh, pick it up in uh, oh let's see now 19 there was a certain man rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fed sumptuously every day there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and designed to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar from Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, Ab uh, son, remember that thou in the lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Go to 1 Corinthians 15. And I believe that... Uh, the saved and the unsaved went into the ground upon death and waited in the ground it says our Christ went into the lower parts of the earth and uh, scooped up the righteous took him back to glory and left the unrighteous in hell awaiting the first resurrection and uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 15 uh, look at verse uh, let's see now 
Pick it up in uh, pick it up in verse uh, fifteen. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God; neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Look at uh, fifty-three. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Uh, look at. Uh, 55 O death where is thy sting O grave where is thy victory 57 but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ so I believe this that when Christ goes into the tomb for three days and three nights he obviously is there for a period of time his soul goes back to be with the Lord Jesus Christ uh, excuse me his, uh, his soul goes into the ground his spirit goes back to be with his father of course and he goes into the ground takes up the, the, the righteous a switch has taken place now so paradise is no longer under your feet it is far north flesh and blood can now inherit the kingdom of god because christ has paid for our sins i say all of that to go back to the babylon incident that it was originally uh, persia now it is rome and we know that it is now rome because of course go to revelation 17 and uh, in revelation 17 we can see very clearly that this whore sits on many waters and hills and has authority over the over the uh, the world governments the kingdoms of this world which of course modern day iran does not in revelation 17 it tells you how the kings of the earth have committed fornication verse 2 and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication a verse 5 mystery babylon the great the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth and uh, verse 6 and I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus and when I saw I wandered with great admiration so I believe this and we'll close that Babylon is no longer Persia it is uh, Rome and uh, paradise is no longer under your feet but it's far north Paul told you to be absent from the body was be present with the Lord and I believe the gods mentioned in Psalm 138 can also be in reference to uh, leaders of Israel and also attacking fake gods fake deities the gap theory they have their own belief like I said a few minutes ago they hold to the fact that there was a pre-Adamic pre race on the earth which was destroyed in a flood uh, which I don't particularly hold to but I won't fall out with you if you do and of course Moses was called God not the God but in reference to uh, using or being given God's uh, grace to be a leader and of course the word gods Elohim Satan is a god of this world and the book of Genesis speaks about you become like gods uh, out of the words of the devil so do a word study sometime if you want to God gods look at the word Elohim but the best way to really understand this is to do a verse by verse study I'm not a big fan of word studies per se uh, and also one final time in the rivers of Babylon uh, it's a pretty powerful passage dealing with the fact that it's better to kill their people before the tribulation uh, because of course if you don't you can't die in the tribulation because the Lord, will not, the Lord will not allow you to die in the tribulation you're going to prolong your pain 
for a long period of time. So I wouldn't shy away from those passages if I'm ever asked those questions, if, you know, if, if I'm ever asked to explain those passages, I just teach them as they are and uh, let the chips fall where they will.